0: Today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show,
1: I tell people to think of me as the one-woman SNL of business comedy. But it didn't start that way. So now the way the show is today, if you watch the show, you'll see I've got you know sketch clips where I am you know bringing in funny characters or doing parodies of famous movies or famous people as a way to then teach about online marketing, online business, entrepreneurship. It's the way in. It's the you know, you set them up with a funny situation and then you teach on that with that as the launch pad. Um, But it wasn't always this way. And speaking of the long game, this is a really good example of the long game in action. Because when I started Awkward Marketing, it was just a talking head Facebook live show where I would get on every Wednesday and do a 20 minute lesson about improving your marketing. And as I went little by little, I just kept layering on new elements to the show, improving it, tweaking it, listening to my audience, paying attention to what worked and what didn't work. And eventually then figure it out. Oh, here are the elements of this show that are truly unique, that are truly adding something new to the conversation that people are really jiving with. This is what I'm going to run with. And I think if I had started trying to look for this really high concept show idea, I never would have created the show. I never would have started here. You know what I'm saying? Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year.
0: Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because Because of Rita, 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 I've I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach, also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest, and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation? Yeah it'll be that real. Hi, this is Rita, and I am so excited to be here today for another episode of Rita Made Me Do It, talking with people who are living unconventional lives, who are doing things on their own terms, who are bucking mainstream, and there's no one that I can think of who embodies this more than my guest today, Rachel Albers. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Oh, my God. It's the best day of my life. I'm so excited that you're here. Like, I just, so excited. My audience has no idea what's in store for them with for, like hearing everything from you. So, I want to tell everybody how we met. So, Rachel is kind of an Instagram rock star, right? She's not an influencer. I mean, she is an influencer, but not like that kind of influencer, not a Kim Kardashian type influencer, but she's she was on Instagram and I followed her and stalked her and loved all her videos. And I was like commenting because I wanted her to be my best friend forever. And then I found out she was speaking at an event where I was speaking, the Women in Power Expo here in DC. And I reached out to her and we hung out. And I'd like to think that we are now like best friends for for life, Rachel. So, um, just if you don't, I would like for you to also think that we are best friends for life. Um, and so, I was I, I, when I found out. I already knew she she ran her business in unconventional ways, which we're going to talk about. But the more I found out about her and the way that she runs, kind of like every area of her life, it was just there's no perfect guest. So, um, what do you think of when I tell you that you kind of just are that person that seems a little? you know, unconventional, a little, like, quirky, a little outside the box. Like, what's your reaction to that?
1: I'm nodding. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I'm trying to put out in the world. I mean, actually, from a very young age, I really identified with going against the grain and being an iconoclast, and it was part of my early identity. And so um, I like to hear that repeated back to me because... um, (laughs) you think differently.
0: You're so weird, Rachel. Rachel, you're so weird. Is that, is that good? you're so different? Yeah.
1: That's like what I'm all, you know, the weirder, the better. That's kind of my thing. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you always, so I'm without even telling people like what it is that makes you different, which we're going to get into, but like, have you always just been somebody that kind of was not traditional that, that was, you know, thinking and acting, you know, different than maybe all of your friends growing up or the way your family expected or, was it completely opposite? Were you someone who would have not identified as someone who pushed the norm or, you know, was a little different? Oh, no. I've
1: been a weirdo from day one.
0: Um, Yeah. Tell me a story. I want to know a story from early childhood, Rachel. Well, okay.
1: I'll tell you a really weird story. So when I was in like fourth and fifth grade, um, I was, I was definitely the weird kid in school. And I, you know, and I also had, my mom used to get my hair permed which I thought was very oh. high
0: fashion at the time. I thought it was super high fashion, especially when you had the wave with the bangs. Oh yeah. Had, like, that thing that you could surf yeah. through. It was so really, I had this yeah. big yeah. old perm
1: and these like giant, like mid nineties glasses. And so I was just this goofy kid with like crooked teeth and a perm and like four eyes. Um, but I was so, I was totally confident. I was just like rocking all those things. And, <laughs> um, I used to say, like, when other people would exclaim, like, "cool" or "wow" or just like different exclamations, I used to go around and say, "Fabio." That, that <laughs> was my exclamation. So people would be like, "Oh, that's really neat," and I would be like, "Fabio." I was extremely strange.
0: Um, I don't know how I had. Did you friends. did you like read Fabio? Did you have postings of no, Fabio? No, I just thought up it was a your fun room? word.
1: And so, I mean, I was just the weird, I I would go onto the playground during recess or before school and do these things. I can't remember what I called them, but I would just do like a one woman reenactment of whatever the TV was the the previous night. So I, Oh, I'd call it channels. And so I would, you, you know, the kids would be like, okay, ABC. And then I would do like a little reenactment of whatever programming was on ABC and then CNN. And I would do, You know, a little reenactment of that. So I did these weird like one woman shows. I said, Fabio, I had a perm, Um, but I just was a strange kid and I didn't mind being strange. And in fact, I started, I think it was probably a coping mechanism, to be honest with you, that when you're weird, uh, you have to either embrace it or retreat into your own cave. And I just fully embraced it and loved that I was different and like hung on to that. Probably to the point that I was just weird for the sake of it. But hey, that's what you. Got.
0: Hey, it worked. Like, it's, and we're going to talk about how it worked. But so, what was the reaction, I guess, of your peer group to? That? Um, when you're in like
1: when you're in elementary school, is not you're not celebrated for being different. So, I definitely had. <laughs> I definitely had. Le- I had friends, but I had less friends. I got made fun of. I was just kind of like walking to the beat of, like dancing to the beat of my own drummer and just not caring. Um but you know as i got older and that was hard it was hard but i had all these goals and i had all these dreams and i think that's one thing that's unique about I, you know i don't know where this all came from but i was just really focused on my goals i was a theater kid so i wanted to be in all of the plays and so that's what i was focused on like i didn't care as much about being an outcast as long as i was achieving those other goals that i had And so I just kind of just went around, went along my merry weirdo way and people started warming up to it as I got older, like where people would make fun of me in elementary school. Then in high school, when I was that way, I was like the funny kid in class. I was always disrupting the class in a funny way. And so that made the cool people tolerate me because at least I was like amusing to them. You
0: know? Yeah, the class clown, right? That was always the way. It's either you're you're totally rejected or you're completely accepted because you're the, the class clown. How did your teachers react to you disrupting oh class? Oh my
1: gosh, I've been, I, I ha- was disciplined a lot, let's just say that. My parents were always <laughs> getting calls, uh, but I was a good student. I got I, good grades. I was, you know, I was a good student, but I was just, yes, always disrupting class. I will tell you one weirdo thing that I did. And actually my teacher allowed this disruption of the class and kids loved me because they got a whole day off of class. When I was a freshman in high school, I wrote a one woman musical about the Odyssey. We were reading the Odyssey in school. And I came in one day and I was like, oh, I wrote a song last night about the Odyssey and I think I'm going to write a musical. And the teacher, I can't believe she freaking allowed me to do this. She let me take an entire class period to perform my one woman Odyssey show.
0: Where I had passed because (laughs) I was who I I don't even think I fully read the Odyssey. I think I remember it, and I remember we were supposed to, and I think I kind of skimmed it. I cannot imagine them going. I am so inspired to write a musical (laughs) about the Odyssey. That's so great.
1: It was my first one woman show, but yeah, we got to take a whole day off of class for me to sing about the Odyssey and dance around in my pajamas, which is what I did. So they appreciated that you know, there was, they just could sit back and relax. And these days they would have been like putting me on Snapchat stories being like, look at this freak. But
0: I was going to say, like, is there a video? There actually that
1: is. Woman? There actually is. And I just digitized it. So you may see this coming to a uh, internet near so you sometime soon.
0: So exciting. And I love I love what you said about being so committed to like your – and you probably didn't know that that's what it was at a young age. But like just really believing in your vision for your future that you were able to just kind of – not that it it didn't have an impact, but that you were able to move through the impact that happened as a result of just being, you know, what people didn't expect and still, you know, work towards them. You were like – you were that clear about what was important to you at a young age. Do you still feel like that now? Yeah, I,
1: I do. I do. I, I think I've gone through, I went through a fuzzy period of my life where I did a bunch of wild, different things. I changed my mind about my well, life. Quite
0: a bit. Oh, well let's talk about that. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, what kind of wild well, are we talking about? No, let's not talk about think, that, but let's talk. But, whatever. Uh, I did it. Yeah. I think, you know, uh,
1: keeping, having a tether, having a goal, having something to wake up for and to, you know, drive you through pushes you out of the imposter syndrome, pushes you out of the fear and pushes you into action and helps you keep your head down. Like people will say, Oh, keep your eyes on your own paper. And and I do kind of like to have uh, an understanding of what's going around on in my periphery. So I don't fully do that, but in the sense of, keeping my eye firmly on the goal and just continuing to work towards that. I think that it helps you push through all the feelings that come up of, you know, inadequacy or insecurity or whatever it might be, and just keep going towards that goal. So I think that's been a saving grace in my life. And in all of the worst moments of my life, when I've struggled with depression and anxiety and just like not having a purpose or feeling, just feeling lost in my life, Having those goals has been what's pulled me through the darkest moments because it's like at the end of the day, you know, even in my worst moments, I would wake up and be like, I'm going to do one small thing to get closer to that goal. And it's truly been the light at the end of the tunnel always. So yeah,
0: Yeah. I love that. We were just, I was just talking about that in my uh, community, the, the all in entrepreneur. And I said, look, being all in on a goal doesn't mean that it's it's everything at one time. Like all you have to do is move the needle forward 1%. All you have to do is take one one step to stay in it. And that power, how powerful that can be for sitting in discomfort or getting through a hard time or exhibiting patience. Like that's so – Important. So, but when when I met you uh, at the speaker event for I'm going to say it again, Women in Power Expo, um, they are not a sponsor of this podcast, but maybe they should be. Um, but you know, maybe by the time this airs, they are. I don't know. But um, but when I met you, and we were talking, like the first few words out of your mouth, if I hadn't known you, right, that the kind of there was a period of your life that seemed very like you were on the the normal path, right? Like to like a, a very respectable profession and you were going to be like a lawyer and you were, so how, tell me a little bit about your career trajectory because for people who don't know, Rachel is like a, an expert at digital marketing. She is, I think the best digital marketer that I've ever, ever met. Um, and I've met quite a few. And she also hosts a show, a one woman show, surprise, surprise, called Awkward Marketing. And we're going to get into all of that. But like, you weren't, it wasn't like, oh, hey, how can I just keep this like weird, quirky thing going for my career forever and ever? So how did, how did you get to where you were? Like, what was your trajectory?
1: Oh my gosh, I will give you the Cliff's notes. Well, I was a theater kid, as I, as I told you, So I did go to theater school. I went to college for theater. I got a BA in theater with a minor in marketing, which was supposed to be my fallback, right? You got to, you know, so I got this very valuable degree in theater because there's so many job opportunities that, that open for you when you're a theater major, uh, LOL. And coming out of theater school, I realized I didn't want to be an actress. I wanted a little bit more creative control, and my dad was a lawyer. And I thought, oh man, if I'm a lawyer, I'm gonna be able to use all these different parts of my brain, and I can be a litigator and I can do the law and order sexy, like I demand justice <laughs> moments, and you know, fight for the for the man, and you know, fight against the man for the people, all that kind of stuff. So I went to law school. But right before I started law school, I had this epiphany in my life where I felt that I was being called to be a radical pastor. I am not even kidding right now. Um, Shut up.
0: Shut up. Okay. Okay. I just, I'm tabling this, but keep, keep going. So a radical pastor. A radical
1: pastor doing like social justice ministry. So I deferred law school and I went to seminary for a year. Um, And like to, to study to be this kind of, you know, radical social justice pastor. And, uh, well, that was definitely not the path. So when we talk about the the winding path to where I am today, this is, these are the winding curves. Um, so I, I realized while I was doing that, okay, no, this is not the path. So back to law school, I go, then I go to law school. I'm on the path to be either a human rights lawyer an immigration lawyer. And so I get an internship in Southern Mexico after my one L year, after my first year of law school. And I was, I was working with young women and girls And while down in Mexico, I ended up connecting with and working with this indigenous women's theater troupe. Okay, so here I am back to my theater roots, what, while I'm in law school. And I got exposed to this kind of theater, you know, theater for community organizing and social justice and and popular education. And I go back to law school and I realize this is not what I want to do. So then I quit law school. And I moved to Mexico to work with young women and girls using theater as a tool for social change. And that's when I started my business to fund this pro bono work that I was doing. So I had this background in marketing from, you know, I I knew how to code. I had, you know, this design background. And so I brought that in and started a business. Um, But the goal was not to be an entrepreneur. The goal was how do I live in Mexico how do I pay the bills while I'm doing this pro bono work that I'm doing? And I was there for eight years in Mexico doing this work and all the while kind of building the business. And then I kind of fell in love with entrepreneurship and I fell in love with being my own boss and my business grew tremendously. And a couple years ago, I moved back to the States with the business in tow. You know, i had grown it to the point that I actually could move back to the States and support myself on it and, uh, and my family. And once I got back to the States, that's when the next curve in the road came, which was my business comedy show, Awkward Marketing. So that okay. is the Cliff Notes Rita.
0: I like it. I like it. So there are a couple of things that I want to uh, to dig into there, which is first of all, can you believe I also thought that I was going to be a pastor for like a hot second? So I was like, I still am like a very like good Lutheran girl. And uh, I, people told me that because I liked to talk so much, I was also in theater, that I should either become a lawyer or be a pastor. And I would actually stand up as a kid in church, like when the the pastor would go, lift your hands to the Lord. Like I would stand up on the chair and be like, lift your hands to the Lord. Like I would say it along with him. And my mother was like, oh my gosh. And so it was always in there. Like I was very involved in church and I was like, I think I'm going to be, but I never did it. Like I never went to seminary. I just went to like all the synod convention meetings and stuff but i never ever like pulled the trigger out. so that's like a also why we're best friends forever i think rachel um but how was it received when you quit law school because that's also something i did not do i went to law school went all the way through and then did 13 years of the law instead of living in mexico so what was it like when you were like yo fam like i'm totally just like piecing out of law school and staying here in, in in mexico forever word like how was that how was that received My family
1: was extremely concerned at this point, because at this point I had gone from theater school to law school to, wait a minute, no, seminary, to back to law school, and now I'm in Mexico, and I'm quitting law school. I mean, they kind of thought I had lost my mind, but I'm strong-willed, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and so nobody really tried to talk me out of it. Everyone was just kind of like exasperated, like, what are you going to do next?
0: um (laughs) they're just ready they're ready for you to settle down right so let's talk about that because when you were in mexico you did actually find someone to settle down with
1: it's true i met him salsa dancing my husband
0: roberto yes oh roberto so i and i've met roberto he's very he's so i think he's so amazing and like he he appears to be so opposite of you yes yeah Yeah, very much like I love it. But um, the one thing that I want to dig into there, so my audience knows, but if you're new to my audience, you may not know, that back when I was about to turn 35 in 2011, I did something called 35 dates in 35 days. Now that's a story for another podcast, but I ended up going on 35 dates and 35 consecutive days with 35 different guys. And I didn't know anything about them, their age or their race or what they did for a living. And I had them pick the activity um, for all kinds of reasons. So I was sharing this story and I've always thought, ha, Like, that's my, like, see, I did something so cool and so unique, and it still is so cool and so unique, but this is also another reason why if Rachel's not freaked out by me yet, then probably she is now. I think she's my best friend for life because, as I was saying this, Rachel told me about something she did along the same lines that I think is the most unconventional thing I've ever heard of. So, Rachel, I know you know what I'm talking about, but I want you to share with my audience what you did and then, like why like what brought that about to do this one it was at 100 no a year a whole year long thing tell tell people what you did and why
1: so it was called the one-year wedding and roberto and i got married every day for a year we had a small little ceremony every day for 365 days and we did it um you know, it kind of came to me in like a aha moment one day where I was like, you know, love is something you do. It's not something you feel. Love is an action. Love is a verb. And I was like, one day is not enough, you know, for a wedding. I, I think a really cool way to enter into marriage would be to spend an entire year, you know, committing our vows to each other, remembering that love is a daily choice, not just like a hole that you fall into. And, you know, doing it a little bit unconventionally. And because we were in Mexico, and at this point, Roberto did not have a visa to the states, um, this meant we could celebrate with all different people we loved in lots of different ways. So every day for a year, we would have a small ceremony. And it was really what I mean when I say small ceremony, I mean really small. We weren't getting dressed up in like, you know, a white dress and a tux every single day. Sometimes our weddings were in our kitchen in the morning. Sometimes our weddings were out with friends. We would, turn to you, Rita, and say, okay, Rita, will you marry us? And you would say a few words and then we would do our vows and exchange our rings and we would be married. It was, you know, sometimes we did bigger ceremonies with our families. We had a big one with Roberto's family. We had a big one with my family. We got married on Skype by people across the world. We just, you know, we did it with strangers. We did it alone. We did it with our dogs. And it was just this really cool way of entering into marriage and being really intentional and conscious about it. And yeah, people will ask me, like, did you get married when you were mad at each other? Did you get married on the day that you had fights? And yeah, we did. In fact, it was always a really good way to get really conscious of what our goals were and our priorities. We had had a really big fight for one of us to come to the other and say... Will you marry me? And then it was like, that's how we would make up was we would do our vows and we would key into, okay, here's why we're doing this. So,
0: oh, oh, yes! so was, he, was he like in on that? Like, was he down for that the minute you suggested it? Or was he kind of like, what are you talking about?
1: Pretty, you know what? He was now, he will tell you today that he would not do it again. And that really, not bad, because it was a lot. By the end of this, we were like exhausted. We were, it was like, oh my gosh, we cannot wait to get to the end, to be quite honest with you. But in the moment, I kind of told him this idea and then it was like the next day we were staying in Cancun at the time. And it was the next day it was in the rain. I will admit we had both had a little bit of tequila and we were out in the rain. I think we had been fighting and Roberto just turns to me and he says, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Will you marry me? And I was wearing this little white beach dress at the time. And he took one of the core beach dress that tied around my neck and he took it and he wrapped it around my finger. And we had our first ceremony there in the rain and it was he who initiated that. And then from then on, so the very next day we had met this couple at the resort. So we said to the couple, this is what we're doing. Will you marry us tonight? So this couple that we had just met, our very second ceremony, we got a stranger. We like turned to a stranger on the street and was like, hey, we're going to get married right now. Will you just take a video?
0: <laughs> so we had a stranger video
1: taping us. We had this stranger couple that we had just met, you know, basically doing a little mini ceremony with us. And then that's how it all began. And from then on, uh, I think that was January 4th, 2014 was the first one that we did. And then, all the way to uh, January 3rd, 2015 is when we ended. So
0: yeah. So how do you think that that has impacted the relationship that you have with him now? Because one thing that is true is you are an entrepreneur and he is not an entrepreneur, which we know is an interesting dynamic. And you uh, you travel a lot to speak, which is an interesting dynamic. And these are all things that can be uh, stressors on people who are in a relationship where one is really living that entrepreneurial lifestyle and the other just isn't and however that looks. Um, and so how do you think that doing that, you know, when you did it years ago, how, how has that affected who you both are together today?
1: Well, Uh, the primary thing is anytime I'm really pissed at him, I have to think I need to divorce this guy 365 times.
0: (laughs) So is it worth it? Is it worth it? Probably not. I used to be a divorce lawyer. Probably not. (laughs) Um,
1: you know, it is challenging. I will say that our life is very unconventional in the sense that I am our, breadwinner and so and I'm he stays at home with our daughter Alice or he's a stay-at-home dad. I do work at home a lot. So it ends up that we spend a lot of time together. Um we're, you know, and when I travel, he often travels with me. So we spend a lot of time together. And I think just starting off our marriage like that helped us to be conscious of each other. Um, and it's helpful to look honestly, it's it's really a good Speaking of tethers, like I was saying before, it's a good tether to pull me out of dark, difficult moments that happen in any marriage or any relationship to remember those 365 days of vows to remember that love is a choice that you make instead of just a feeling that you have to try to remember that each and every day. And listen, the idea of the one year wedding was that it's a constant daily thing. It's a constant thing that you're working at and that is what marriage is, is uh, like, we are not, we are not by any means, like your ideal couple. Like we are not living, we are not like your example. We, we are not hashtag couple goals. Um, but like, cause we have our challenges like every couple. Um, but I think, you know, wedding us to have something to, to constantly be referring back to as we're going through the challenges of our daily
0: lives. And that is really important girl, you just described entrepreneurship. (laughs) You just described what you need to be a successful entrepreneur, right? Like this is the same stuff, intentional and committed every day and remembering why and defining your priorities and, you know, like really working together to, to get to the results that you want and living a life that's different. Has this in any way, do you think it had anything to do with the success that you've realized as an entrepreneur?
1: You know, I've never thought about it like that, Rita, but let's just say yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I just thinking having that attitude about anything is like, you got to play the long game, you know, you got to be in it for the long game. And remember that each little task that you do is in service to the greater goal, just like in marriage, like each little Each little display of love, each little action is in service to the greater relationship, even when it doesn't feel like it or even when you don't feel like it. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are really looking for that, you know, immediate satisfaction and, you know, the ones that really are, are in it to win it realize that these little tiny, potentially like thankless things that I'm doing today are a gift to my business tomorrow, you know, in the long, in the long, long game. So,
0: yeah, so good. So true. Right. Cause it is, it's about more than a day. Like a marriage is about more than a wedding and owning a business is about more than a quick win. So let's talk about your long game and I, you know, digital marketing, Dear audience, that's digital marketing. It's cool, but we're not gonna talk about that, right? What I want to talk about with Rachel, and you can go to her website and you'll know how here at the end and in the show notes at the end and all of that. But let's talk about awkward marketing, which is really a one-woman show. What was your what's your concept behind awkward marketing? How did it come to exist? Tell us a little bit about it.
1: So yeah, awkward marketing is a business comedy show that brings together sketch comedy and storytelling to help. Online businesses create epic, unforgettable brands. That's that's my little elevator speech about awkward marketing. I tell people to think of me as the one woman SNL of business comedy, but it didn't start that way. So now the way the show is today, if you watch the show, you'll see I've got you know sketch clips where I am you know bringing in funny characters or doing parodies of famous movies or famous people as a way to then teach about. Online marketing, online business, entrepreneurship. It's the way in. It's the, you know, you set them up with a funny situation and then you teach on that with that as the launch pad. Um, But it wasn't always this way. And speaking of the long game, this is a really good example of the long game in action because when I started Awkward Marketing, it was just a talking head Facebook Live show where I would get on every Wednesday and do a 20 minute lesson about improving your marketing. And as I went little by little, I just kept layering on new elements to the show, improving it, tweaking it, listening to my audience, paying attention to what worked and what didn't work, and eventually then figure it out. Oh, here are the elements of this show that are truly unique, that are truly adding something new to the conversation, that people are really jiving with. This is what I'm going to run with. And I think if I had started trying to look for this really high concept show idea, I never would have created the show. I know yeah, how you have like started here. You know what I'm saying? There's a,
0: yeah, I do. And there's another great point there too, right? Which is like you were listening to your audience. If you had been so attached to how your show had to look and what it needed to be and what you loved and what you wanted to do, and it didn't fit with the audience, you wouldn't have realized nearly the success you had by saying, "You know what? I'm open to pivot. I'm open to adjusting. I'm open to changing and pivoting and and seeing where it goes because I want to meet them." Where they're at, like the ultimate service of being of service to your audience was more important to you than the idea of what you thought you wanted to to do. True? False? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's what I think branding
1: really is. A lot of people think of branding as a monologue like, I'm going to tell people what my brand is, I'm going to perform my brand, and people are just going to get the idea. And I always tell my own clients, you know, branding is a dance, not a monologue. It's a dance you do with your audience, not a performance you do for your audience. And if you can get that and be good. And speaking of Roberto, actually, I'll tell you a little anecdote about Roberto. Because when we first met, the very first time night we met, it was on the salsa dance floor in San Cristobal de las Casas in Mexico. And he asked me to dance and we're dancing and I'm just looking at my feet, looking at my feet. He's like, don't look at your feet. Look at my eyes, look at my eyes. <laughs> and it worked. I mean, we, we danced amazing. And you know, he just has this knack from whoever he's dancing with. He can bring out the bets in them. And I asked him what his trick was one day. And he was like, you know, the secret to dancing salsa, especially if you're like the leader of the dance, which in this situation was him. Um, is that you need to make the person you're dancing with look amazing. The best salsa dancers, specifically the leaders, are the ones that are making their partner look great versus trying to show off on the dance floor.
0: Oh, there we go. Podcast over, mic drop out, like that's so good, right? So everybody listening, if you own your bit, like there is your golden nugget takeaway from today, which is like your job is to make your clients and your customers look amazing it's not for you to look amazing it's whatever it takes to make them feel look uh and know that they are amazing that's a roberto is a a wise a wise he's always
1: coming up with these little surprise nuggets and if if you're making your partner look amazing on the dance floor you also look amazing (sighs) whereas if you are worried about yourself and showing off you both look like a hot mess. Both of you yes. together. So yes. yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. So awkward marketing. I love the concept behind it, right? The the concept behind awkward marketing, at least now the way it runs out, is you're kind of making fun of the way that people are marketing, right? So you're making fun of your own industry. You're you're poking fun at it while also showing some truth behind it. What do you think of how marketing is operating? in the world, especially in the world of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and maybe big businesses, but you know, more so like among, you know, like the one-offs and the the solos and people just like, give me your like thoughts about it. Like, I know you think it's funny because you, you do stand up and, and poke fun at it, but what are your real thoughts around the trends of marketing right now?
1: Well, the truth is I was talking to somebody a couple months ago and they were like, so do you just want to eradicate all bad marketing from the planet? And I'm like, no, please God, I, I need, material. I love it. I love the bad marketing. I watch it for fun. Number. Like so, so tell me what the
0: number is. one marketing, like faux pas that you, I mean, there's so many, but what do you think right now is the one that it's like, if you can't avoid anything else, avoid this.
1: I would say, uh, false scarcity and, inflated results i mean that combination it's always like this combination of i will help you make eight figures in a couple of months but you can only do this today or the cart is closing forever this is your only chance like that combo is probably my least favorite combo and because of these types of marketing uh, and this is kind of one of the, the the ideas behind awkward marketing because we're we're this kind of sleazy, hyper-aggressive, masculine type of marketing is pushed in our faces as the way. A lot of my clients, small business owners and thought leaders who have different value systems, just different ways of being in the world, feel really uncomfortable and awkward marketing themselves. Um, And so my show is all about helping people to see that there's another way we laugh about the stuff that's awful. And we can kind of come together and say, oh, my God, I'm never going to do that. Um, and then come together to figure out, okay, what are the, the holistic, heart-centered, value-based, integrity-based ways that you can get your products and services out into the world and build your audience? And so I'm taking away the awkwardness and helping people Really create awesome brands online and help them see that marketing doesn't have to be a dirty word.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I love how you do it through characters, right? Through and maybe it's the theater chick in me too, but like, I love how you take something that. It's kind of a complex topic to people who are new. People are good at what they do. right? They're good at teaching yoga. They're good at being an accountant. They're good at whatever. They're not great at all the back end, necessarily great at all the back end stuff that goes into running a business. And you take these things that could make them feel badly about their choices or make them feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? But you deliver the information in such a Easily understandable, relatable way because you're using just regular life situations outside of the business world with these funny characters and these funny situations to relay that information. So tell people about some of – so I'll say that the character that got me to really pay attention to you – because I watched a few and I was like, oh, that's funny, was your was the mom. The mom character is the one that sealed the deal for me because I was like, oh, she's just like every like mother. And maybe it's the Chicago. I think she's like every Midwestern mom because I'm going to say she's not like, mothers here but i went to law school in chicago and i know you live near chicago and like there was just something so midwestern about her character i was like that's it that's what moms of chicago the mothers of all my boyfriends from chicago that's exactly what she was like but like how did you come up with the like how i I, and i'm sure you can't even really answer that but how do you come up with these characters who are your favorite characters like are you just is it a divine download one day are they drawn is it, it drawn from people that you really know or conversations that you have, tell a little bit about that.
1: Well, when I first kicked off this new and improved version of awkward marketing with the sketch and the characters, I started with a series called the top five awkward marketers. And that's where I kind of broke down. I started really with the big marketing mistakes and, or just ick moment, like manipulative, that's what I like to say, marketing moments that I saw in the world, and then kind of embodied them and turned them into characters. So we have Brad, the braggy bro marketer, and I had Guy, the guilt tripper, um, Karee, the copycat, Gigi, the girly printer, and Cassandra, the cultural appropriator. Those were the five top offenders that I saw. And that's where it all really began with those top five people. And that was easy because first I identified the the marketing nose that I saw. And then I was able to say, okay, how would I translate this into a person? Um, with my mom, you know, what was funny is when I did that series, I kind of ran a little contest that was like, okay, you know, um, vote for your top worst awkward marketer of these five. And then people voted in then I did a little contest and I had my mom slash me for playing my mom. Read the, like read the winner out live on Facebook live and people freaking love that. And what's funny about that is I only came up with that because it just coincided. That was Halloween of 2017. I believe that just coincided with my husband and I were going to be making our pregnancy announcement and we thought it would be funny to dress up as my mom and my stepdad for Halloween and then say, Oh, I'm dressed. We're dressed as my parents because we're going to be parents. So that same day I I was doing the announcement. I'm like, well, I'll just use this mom wig that I bought and my mom costume and I'll go on as my mom and people freaking loved it. So then I turned my mom into a character. So that's an example of listening to your audience, right? Like the audience loved it. They thought she was great. And I mean, like, that's probably the best impression that I do is my mom. Oh yeah. It's Sarah. Hello. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm RKA's mom. We don't call her RKA at home. That's her business name I don't know what that's about but yeah so I bring so then I've done a few a few things with my mom in there and you know what's super funny Rita is people ask me they'll say how's your mom with this like is she okay with you making fun of her basically she loves it her (laughs) friends love it her friends will message her and be like dude this is spot on and the other day I got the first draft of my speaking reel done where I've got different characters in the reel and all that kind of stuff and I sent it to my mom she's like I love it but where am I (laughs) like why am i not in there there's
0: one big thing missing here missy huh and i was like i'm so sorry mom you're totally right <laughs> the guilt mess. the guilt was real immediately from from the gig. have you ever or will you ever interview your mother as your mother because i would watch <laughs> i would watch that Dude, how have I never thought of this before? I don't know, but I would watch interview it. I would watch Rita, you interview your mom you as your mom. It. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes.
1: Rita made me do it. I'm doing it. It's happening. Thank yeah, you.
0: I love it. What That's a- great. I love it. And you have so many great, I mean, guys, we can't, we don't have time to go into all of the great characters, but you know, they really are worth, worth watching and worth seeing. And what I love is your combination of taking a skill of yours, stand up comedy, which is something that people kind of avoid in entrepreneur land being funny and and owning that kind of like quirky strength. And you combined it, like you took a solid strength of yours, combined it with like a solid skill of yours and said, this is like the core of how I'm gonna run my business. And when you were really, I hate the buzzword authentic, but it's a real word. And when you were really true to you and authentic to you, like you're everywhere. I can't look, you're gonna become like the female gary v in that i can't turn somewhere on the internet and not see you somewhere right like it's work it's working for you um i know that's not a question but i'm like yes it's working it's working
1: from your lips to god's ears
0: girl yeah right i love it and it's great but it's great like and and i think it, it you're just gonna, for anybody that hasn't watched, you have to go. So, how well, let's really quickly like, how can people find you? How can they watch Awkward Marketing? Where's the best place to follow you?
1: They can head to awkwardmarketing.com. Um, just get your awkward on. No shame. People tell me they binge it all the time. Go crazy, yeah. it's a wild ride. And I'm RKA Inc., which is my business name, RKA INK, on every social media platform imaginable. So check that out. And I will say this, Rita, you know, I do have a little, little guide for those of you getting into the branding world, getting into the marketing world, thinking about maybe hiring a web designer or a branding person to help you. I've got a fun little ebook called don't hire a web designer until you read this ebook. And you can find that at don't hire a web designer. Oh,
0: what a great domain. Yeah, oh, do you love domains as much as I love domains? Cause I, own oh my, my that's a problem. other women buy shoes and I buy domains. Yeah. See, so do I. This is why we were meant, we were meant to be, we were meant to be. So, okay. So to, to kind of wrap up, I would love to, to, you know, ask just a, a couple of questions. Um, I'm going to do this like bullet point style for you. And then I'm wondering if we could have Brad, braggy, Brad, join us after, this portion on the podcast. Okay, sure. good. Okay, so yeah. I'm just going to ask questions, and I want you to bullet point style the answers. So, what is on your podcast playlist?
1: Online marketing made easy with Amy Porterfield. Okay, cool. What
0: about books on your nightstand?
1: Um, you know what? Into thin air.
0: Okay. What's out of thin about? air? What, what's I love Mount Everest. Mount Everest. Okay. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. Your favorite way to spend your free time when you're not working? Netflix and, chill. Netflix and chill, baby. What's your favorite Netflix show right now? What's on your Netflix playlist? OMG, Orange is the New Black. Love it. That's so good, right? So oh, good. Yes, favorite, favorite place to travel? Chiapas, Mexico. Oh, cool. Maybe you course. had to come up with a life motto, what's your life motto?
1: Um, I have a life motto, and it is from a poem by Claudia Moreau. And the, and the motto is this, love, love it all. Let its mortality tear the heart to bits. Let go, then love it all, all over again.
0: Oh, so good. So good. So let's call Braggy Brad on. I know he's been dying to say something on the podcast. So, so Brad, it is your turn. Hello, Brad. Hey, baby. What's up? What's up, look What's up bro? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I hear you're going to the four seasons next, like, like, like in the next month, huh? Is that true?
1: Yeah. You know what? I'm one of their VIP members. They're always calling me up saying, Brad, come on down, have a cocktail on us. I mean, how can you
0: resist, you know? Word. I love it. So tell me, Brad, how did you reach the level of success that you're at right now?
1: Well, you know what? Um, I was down on my luck. I was pretty down on my luck. I was living uh, on the streets. I had zero dollars in my bank account. Uh, And then I discovered the seven secrets to seven figure success. And pretty much overnight, I was living in the beautiful Hollywood Hills. Uh, I got 17 Lamborghinis and I only work for 4 minutes a week.
0: Amazing. I know that my audience wants to know how they can live that life. Is there a a website that they can go to for you where they can find out how you did this?
1: Oh, yes. If you want to learn the seven secrets to seven figure success, you can go to (laughs) suckmyhustle.com. Suckmyhustle.com.
0: That is Fabulous. So Brad, I want to ask you a few bullet point style questions <laughs> as well. All right. What is on your podcast playlist, Brad?
1: Uh, Nothing. I just listen to myself. I've got a uh, alarm clock that is my own voice that wakes me up every day with words of encouragement. So what are the
0: words of encouragement, Brad? Tell me. Uh, hashtag suck my hustle. Hustle your balls off. Get it. Grind it. Hustle it. Kill it. Slay it. Murder it. That, that's that's a way me. to wake up, Brad. What's your favorite affirmation?
1: Uh, you are everything.
0: Oh, every. Okay. I like that one. You are. Okay, cool. And what is next for you, Brad? What's a goal that you're working towards right now?
1: Um, I like to say I don't have goals. Goals have me if you know what I mean. Um, So, you know, you'll be seeing me on the stage with some of the big power players in the industry talking about how you can make eight, nine, 10, 11 figures in 30 days. All right. Uh, So I'm going to keep that under the, I'm going to keep that wrapped up, but there's always something around the corner in my. All right,
0: cool. So Brad, Thank you so much for being with us. I want to have Rachel back to, to close us out. So Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. If you had to say anything, just one thing to my audience, what, what do you want to leave them with? What do you want to say?
1: You know, I read this amazing email from Ash Amberjay of the Middle Finger Project just yesterday, and she said something like, okay, if you continue making the same little 1% mistakes, every single day, slowly but surely you are going to get yourself into a problem that truly hurts you. And the opposite is true as well, though. If you continue to improve something just 1% every single day, every single time you do it, eventually that 1% by 1% by 1% becomes a major revolution in your life and your business. So just like we were saying, playing the long game, it's just those little 1% changes that make 100% of the difference in the aggregate.
0: So good. So good. So guys, what I want for you to do, I want you to head over to Instagram, uh, find me or find Rachel, comment to one of us, DM one of us, let us know what your one is. What is your one percent that you're going to take tomorrow to make that change? Tag me, tag Rachel. We want to know. We want to know. We want to celebrate you. We want to cheer you on. Thank you, Rachel, for being here. As always, I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Hopefully you'll you'll come back on. And uh, yeah, like I can't wait to hear all about Brad, his stay at the Four Seasons. But I also can't wait to hear about what's next for you. Is there anything that you want to tell the audiences we're leaving that is coming up for you? We asked Brad, but what's coming up for you? Is there anything that they should keep their eye on?
1: You know what? Uh, Stay tuned because Awkward Marketing is coming to a city near you. I'm on my my world tour right now. So you know what? Keep your eyes peeled for me, for Brad, for my mom. You don't even know.
0: Don't even know. know. So guys, go get on our list so you'll be one of the first to know. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I will see you next week on another episode of Rita Mimi Do It. Next time on the Rita Mimi Do It Show... We're talking about differentiating your business in a noisy and crowded marketplace. (laughs) And so if you happen to be single, then congratulations. You're getting a twofer today because what I tell you about standing out in your business is the same thing that I would tell my clients about standing out to find love, about differentiating themselves in a noisy and crowded sea of people so that they could find the partner that's right for them. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Read a Me, Me, Do It show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to RitaMamieDoIt.com, where you can find the show notes from today's episode.